0: The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au.
1: So open up to Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to launch off seven Olympic Sundays. So um, 5th of August to the 21st of August, the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro and then the Paralympics from the September the 7th to the 18th, again in Rio de Janeiro. And, and I don't know about you, but I always find the Olympics incredibly inspiring. Does anybody else find them inspiring? Uh, it, they inspire me because they showcase people that have disciplined themselves. Uh, how many of you had a dream of one day going to the Olympics? Did you? Serious? Aaron, what, what doing? Swimming, Wow, how about that? Aaron, Pastor Aaron, the Olympic swimmer. Something happened, obviously, you didn't get there, but uh, ministry. ministry. But the point is this that, that our swimmers are the best in the land, and not only that, but we just admire the fact that they discipline themselves. You can't win an Olympic medal without disciplining yourself. So it's not like they all get a prize for participation like we do in our schools. Yay, he's a gold medal for everybody because you participated. He's a gold medal. No, nah. in the Olympics, you've got to earn your gold. You don't just get it for participation. And so you've got to be tenacious. You've got to persevere. You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. And 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 so there are so many similarities between that and the Christian walk. And so what we're doing over the next seven weeks is, finding what the similarities are between Olympic discipline and Christian discipline. And so let's read Hebrews chapter 12, that I find one of the great Christian Olympic scriptures in the Bible. And here it is, Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's Jesus, the great Olympian. He started, he finished. How good is that? Uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the debatable issues that comes out of this scripture is the cloud of witnesses. So what's this cloud of witnesses? What is it? Uh, So many people kind of feel that the cloud of witnesses is all of the people in heaven looking over the balustrade of heaven onto us here on earth and looking at what we're doing. That's certainly a theory. Uh, I'm not convinced it's the right theory, but it's certainly a theory. I kind of think more the cloud of witnesses is in context of chapter 11. So when you go to chapter 11, we we talk about the heroes of faith. And chapter 11 is the great faith chapter of the Bible, and it showcases these faith heroes. It starts with Abel, moves on to Enoch, goes to Noah. Abraham, even the women are brought in. How lovely is that? I love the fact that women are brought into the heroes of faith because um, uh, I tell you, 50% of the world's population are women and uh, we need to lift them up and give them a Guernsey. And can I just say, just let me press pause here for a second. Why, why would you disqualify 50% of the earth's population because they're female from anything? I mean, what that mindset needs to be totally removed from our mindset and say, now there is no male nor female. It's whoever wants to have a go can have a go. And uh, let's also just remove the whole, you got to be old. No, there's neither old nor young. It's whoever wants to have a go can have a go. So, you, so you're never too old, you're never too young, you're never too male, you're never too female, you're never too Jew, you're never too Gentile. Give it a go and see what happens, okay? Now let's press play again. That was pause. And, uh, and so what we have is this amazing array of olympic athletes they're faith athletes people that have won the prize and and what i find is there's such a, a a mixture of people one of the people that wins the prize is a lady called rahab and and she's actually introduced in uh, in verse 31 by faith the harlot rahab gets a guernsey i mean she's even described as a harlot i mean Lord Jesus, help us leave our past behind and not get defined by our past. But the Bible defines her by her past. But the fact is, she didn't stay a harlot. She, she won the prize because she persisted in faith. And it, it's an evidence for us to say, doesn't matter what your past holds, God can give you a Guernsey. If you press in amen and and so and so you 've got all these heroes of faith and, and they become the cloud of witnesses to inspire you to invigorate you, to cause you to break your barriers, to break your preconceptions of what you can 't do, and enter this race to win it, to win it. I want you all to do a Bradbury. How many of you heard that expression it 's now entered into Australian culture and colloquialism. It's doing a Bradbury. How many of you have heard of Stephen Bradbury? Stephen Bradbury actually won Australia's first Winter Olympic gold medal. 2002, Salt Lake City, Australia had never, ever won an Olympic gold in the Winter Olympics. And a guy called Stephen Bradbury decides... He wants to race for Australia. Now, Stephen never actually thought that he'd win gold. He was just happy enough to go to the Olympics. He was actually happy just to go. How many of you have ever seen Cool Runnings? You've seen the movie Cool Runnings with a Jamaican bobsled team? I mean, of, of, of all the nations that would give a bobsled team, think of Jamaica, Jamaica Munn. And, uh, do you like my Jamaican impersonation? And uh, anyway, the fact is that there was no chance in the world that they were ever going to win. But as far as they're concerned, they made it. Eddie the Eagle. How many of you have seen the movie Eddie the Eagle? The, uh, the, uh, anyway, so Steve Bradbury falls into that sort of category. There's no way in the world he's going to win because there's so many other countries that um, ice skating, for them, um, is part of their national sport. So any, anyway, 12 years of practice, and he gets to the Olympics, and so he gets into the heats. And lo and behold, he wins the heats. He wins well, he's racing the heats, but you know they were pretty pathetic skaters, so he thought, "Well, I got lucky. I, I won." But then now he's in the quarterfinals. and in the quarterfinals, there's two world champions. And it's only the first two that get into the semifinals and he comes third. So he misses out. And so he's basically saying, well, at least I made the quarterfinals. But then news comes out that the guy that came first got disqualified because he actually um, got in the way of somebody and they disqualified him. And so third place becomes second place. And Steve Bradbury then says, woo. I'm into the semi finals. So he's in the semi finals. I mean, this is way past where he thought he was going to be. So he's in the semi finals. He's racing in the semi finals. And there's, you know, he's coming fourth. Uh, you know, sorry, he's coming fifth. He's coming last. And then all of a sudden, what happens is he comes around the corner. Three people in front of him fall over. He goes past them and he comes second. And before he knows it, he's in the finals the finals it's beyond his wildest dream now when he goes into the finals his time is by far the worst time of anyone that's ever been in the finals of the history of the winter olympics and and so he's thinking to himself what strategy will i use and uh the the strategy was i doesn't matter how fast i go i'm always going to be last so i better stay out of everybody's way so anyway, so he's, so he's in the finals of the Olympic gold medal for 1,000-meter ice skating. And, um, and so they're coming into the last bend, and he is dead last. And then all of a sudden, in the last corner, he watches one of the skaters falls down, and then he watches another three falls down. And all of a sudden, he sees that there's no one in front of him except the line, and he crosses the line. Come on, I, I, I want to show you the video. Do you want to see the video? This is this is bad hairdo. We're talking 2002 bleached hair, spiked hair. Bring back the mullet, I say, because these hairdos are pathetic. Anyway, come on, have a look at Steve Bradbury winning gold medal. <laughs> Last man standing.
0: Last man standing is what I was dubbed by the world's media after that race. Exactly how did that happen? I trained for 12 years, competed for Australia in four Winter Olympic Games. The main reason that I was there in Salt Lake City was to put some demons to rest. In Canada, 1994, I was impaled on the back of a rival skate. Got my leg cut open, almost lost my life. 18 months before winning that gold medal. I had a crash in training, went headfirst into the barrier and broke my neck. I'd skated at three Winter Olympics and I hadn't done my best at any of them and I just wanted to skate my best. In Salt Lake City, I did that in the quarterfinals. I beat a four-time world champion, made it through to the semis. I was pretty realistic about it and decided I don't think I'm as good as these other guys. And my best chance to get through to the final was to get on the ice in the semi and stay out the way. I figure there's no reason I should change my tactics for the final. Bring this on. <laughs> Heading into the last turn, I see the Chinese guy fall. Set up my final turn out of a quarter of my eye. I see the other three tumble. And from that moment, I knew... So I didn't have to scout anymore. All I had to do was glide across the finish line. I wasn't sure if I should put my arms up in the air in celebration or go and hide in the corner. <laughs> had no idea what the appropriate response was at that moment. I suppose in some people's mind, the question will always remain, did I win an Olympic gold by accident? Half a dozen blokes had just fallen over and they wanted me to go up there and take a gold medal for it. I wasn't sure if I deserved to. I only had a few minutes to think about it, but During that few minutes, I decided "Yeah, I'm going out there on the podium and I'm taking that gold medal, but I'm not taking it for the 90 seconds of that race. I'm going to take it for the 12 years in the lead-up to that 90 seconds. (laughs)
1: Last man standing. Thank you to Channel 9 for that um, great clip. um, I just want to say to you, that if there was anybody that could have quit, it would have been Steve Bradbury. I mean, he was smashed. I mean, his face looks like he's had more accidents than you can poke a stick at. But he persisted. And because he persisted, he won gold. Last man standing, but he had that sort of tenacity. And can I just say to you, that's exactly what's necessary in the Christian race. It's tenacity. It's tenacity to stay the distance. It's tenacity to stay to the end. So I'm going to give you this morning three-step plan to finishing well. Who wants a three-step plan yeah. to finishing well? Okay, here it is. From that scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, step number one, if you want to finish well, you've got to get rid of your baggage. This is what it says in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which easily ensnares us. Come on, you've got to lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares you. You can't enter the race with all the baggage from the past. So you, you, you look at these guys, they are slim lined, everything about them is streamlined and uh, and slimlined as well, but especially streamlined. So you don't go onto the field with this big rope and a truck full of junk behind you. You make sure that you put aside every encumbrance. You don't even put a wallet in your pocket. You don't put a phone in your pocket. You don't put anything that would slow you down. You get rid of everything because you're running a race. Too many people are just carrying too much junk from the past. They're just wondering, you know, just, just all this junk will slow you down. Okay, here's the deal. Every single one of you have had some bad things happen to them. Is there anyone that hasn't? Of course you've had. Every, every person here has had someone say something negative against you. Has someone uh, uh, impacted you in a negative way? And, and so the, the, the response is often you take it on board. But as soon as you take it on board, it slows you down. So here's the answer to getting rid of the junk in your life. One word. The answer is forgiveness. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. You have to forgive. And what forgiveness does, it actually is like getting a knife and cutting the line that connects you with that event in the past. Because so many people are carrying unresolved stuff. Unresolved stuff. You know, when we're talking about uh, the research that we've done, we find that uh, one out of every four girls has been sexually abused. One One out of every five boys has been sexually abused. And so that can create a scar in your life. And what happens is that it actually ties you in to your abuser. And so this is, this is the tragedy of it all, because when it comes to that, you have an event in your past that's a negative event, but through your resentment and unresolved issues, you actually carry your abuser with you through life, through the resentment and, and, and the inability to resolve it. And so my advice to you is that through forgiveness, you actually cut the line and you leave it in the past. You're cutting the line and you say, I'm tired of dragging you with me. I'm tired of dragging all this junk with me. I've got to lay aside every encumbrance. That goes with everything. Someone's ripped you off. Someone's promised you something they haven't done. Somebody has has taken your money. Someone's taken your super. Someone's taken this. Someone's taken that. People do shocking things, but you determine whether you're going to keep allowing them to abuse you by not forgiving them. Cut the line is my advice. Cut the line and get rid of the weight so that you can run your race well. What else do you do to get rid of your baggage? You've got to get rid of your weak spot as well. Every single one of us has got a weak spot. The Bible talks about it here as as the, the the sin which so easily ensnares us. And so just as you get rid of the junk through forgiveness, you get rid of your weak spot through accountability. Accountability is such a powerful thing. Accountability. Again, you know, every single one of us have got weak spots. Every single one of us has got an area in their life that they're battling with. There's not one person in this room that, has no weak spots. There's not one person in this room that is just so strong and so powerful that you're never tempted. Not one person. Even Jesus was tempted. So if Jesus is going to be tempted, so are you. The issue with us is that more often than not, we give in to our weak spots rather than protecting our weak spots. And this is what accountability is. It exposes the weak spot And it becomes accountable. Now, what happens with a lot of us, we don't want to expose it because exposure brings shame. And shame is one of the tools that the enemy uses to keep us in bondage. Shame is such a horrible thing. Because shame basically says, if people find out about this, they're going to treat me badly. They're going to treat me negatively. And you know what? That's the lie of the enemy. Because in a loving environment, when people find out, they say, how can I help you? How can I help you be better? But shame keeps the thing hidden. And 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 accountability basically gives you the strength where somebody's doing the journey with you to protect your weak spot. It's such a very powerful thing where you find someone that you can confess. And that's why James talks about confessing your sins one to another. And and in order to help each other, well, we can do the journey well. Come on, every single person in this room needs a confidant, needs someone that you can confide with, someone that will help you. And that's why in this church we've got leaders, we've got connect group leaders, we've got youth leaders, we've got kids' leaders, we've got men's leaders, we've got women's leaders, we've got all sorts of leaders in this church that will want to do the journey of life with you. And if you share your weak spot with them, they're not going to use it to, to, to out you, to, to use it against you. They're there to help you be an overcomer. And that's where you've just got to trust that there are some people in this world that are not going to use your weakness against you, but are actually going to love you to strength and love you to health and be there by your side to protect you, not use it against you. And the third thing that this scripture talks about is is we we need to define what sin is. It says, uh, let us lay every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So the Bible does talk about sin. I know it's a subject not many people want to talk about, But I I need to talk about it because there's a delusion in this world that is actually trying to make sin righteous and righteousness sin. And what we've got to do is to work out what real sin is. And can I just say to you that real sin is what the Bible talks about as sin. So there is sin in this world. And the sin is what God says is sin. Not what man says is sin, but what God says is sin. Because society will change its definition of sin based on society. Let me illustrate. Um, Throughout the millenniums, there's been a lot of societies that have actually believed in cannibalism. So, um, you know, 200 years ago, the Pacific Islands, at nations like Vanuatu were nations. Back then it was called the New Hebrides. Um, they were nations that actually believed in cannibalism. Fiji was another nation that believed in cannibalism. Their their culture uh, actually said it was a good thing to eat your enemies. But then Christians came along with the Bible and said, hey guys, the Bible says that cannibalism is a sin. So Let's not eat our enemies, but let's forgive our enemies. And it was like such a foreign thing. But as soon as they started to do this, it changed their culture to a positive thing. And revival started to spread through the island simply because sin was exposed as sin and righteousness was revealed as righteousness. Can I just say that in our society today, there's a push to make sin righteous and to make our stand of righteousness as sinners. And so and so, we, the righteous people that have a definition of morality, are being called bigots and being called hateful when all we're trying to do is to say, society can't change God's definition of sin. The only one that can change God's definition of anything is God and he's not changing it. And so if you don't abide by what God says is right, you're going to suffer the consequences and the society will be weakened. And so there's this incredible push to gag preachers like me. There's this incredible push to make us look like we're the haters, to make us look like we're the bigots. And all we're trying to do is to say our society is going to be weakened by not defining what the Bible says is sin. And as soon as you stop doing that, then everything falls over. Everything falls over. See, our society has already said that one-night stands are okay. Our society has already said that. We've got nightclubs all over the city that, that last night was set up for one-night stands. And so, and so all the young people go there and they're there to pick up. They do a bit of drugs to just deaden the senses. Why would they do that? Maybe, maybe, maybe because deep down they know it's wrong. Deep down maybe they know that something's been stolen from them but they don't want to admit to it. So they drug themselves up. They hype themselves up. And it's the one-night stands. How many people get out of a one-night stand and think, wow, that was fantastic. I feel so good about myself. As opposed to maybe, maybe something was taken from me that was precious. And so it doesn't change what God still calls it fornication. God still calls it sin. God still calls it unrighteousness, but society says it's okay. It's fine. And so and so preachers like me say this is destroying this is destroying something of the fiber of society. And there's a delusion that goes on, a delusion that turns evil into good and good into evil. And so we've got to expose the delusion, get rid of the delusion by a renewed mind. And this is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, to have your mind renewed. And how do you get a renewed mind? By getting into the word of God. You've got to get into the word of God to see what God says about it. And if you can do that, you'll get rid of your baggage. If you can't do it, you're just going to be carrying baggage after baggage after baggage. Point number two, learn the art of endurance. So here's what the writer of the Hebrew says. It says, let us lay aside every weight of the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come on, endurance. I love that, endurance. Matthew uh, 24 verse 13 says, he who endures to the end will be saved. There's this, there's this thing in the Bible that elevates endurance, that elevates persistence, that it in, elevates, I think the Americans call it grit, this determination, this unquittable spirit. I just love that. Just, just I'm in it to the end. I'm not in it for a trial. I'm in it to the end. And there's this persistence. See, some people start incredibly well and they fall out of the race. And other people start with persistence. I love that. You know, I've been pastoring for over 35 years. And it's interesting just to see people get saved over 35 years. And some people start, they start, wow, you know, we're going to win the world. We're going to save the world. And within a few years, they're out of the race. They've been smashed out of the race. And then other people, they start slowly but surely, and they just one step at a time, and they persist. And sometimes I think it's like the story of the Aesop's tale, the hare and the tortoise. Who knows Aesop's tale, the hare and the tortoise? How many of you know that old story? Where, you know, the, the hare and the tortoise are having a race, and the hare says, are you kidding me? You're racing against me? Because the hare's very talented. But what the hare lacked was Persistence. And so what happens is that the hare was talented but then rested upon its laurels and the tortoise just kept one foot in front of the other, just kept persisting. I kind of think that's the, that's, that's the Bradbury factor right there. Uh, I, I might be coming last in the race but at least I haven't fallen over. At least I haven't fallen asleep. At least I'm still in the race by just one foot in front of the other. Persistence, persistence, persistence. I love that, persistence. We need to get a persistence mindset. One of the things that I tried to do with my kids is put a persistence mindset into them while they were growing up. And so it goes something like this. We're Julianos. Julianos don't quit. What are we? We're Julianos. Julianos don't quit. We're Julianos. Julianos get up when they're knocked down. Come on. We're like the bouncing clown. How many of you, how many of you have ever seen that bouncing clown? You blow it up and you just smash it. And the clown goes down, but then it's got this sand base underneath. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And with the sand base underneath, you might knock it down, but that clown just keeps coming up and it's smiling at you. (laughs) I don't know if it was um, clowns because we didn't have clowns in in our house because Christelle doesn't like clowns. And... um, in, in, in both ways. But, uh, but that whole thing of knocking down and coming back up again is such a powerful thing. It's such a powerful scenario of uh, you might get knocked down, but you don't stay down. You get back up again. Julianos, we finish what we start. We finish what we start. I can remember one of my one of my kids got halfway through university and just wanted to quit and 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 my word to them, we're Juliano's. We don't we don't quit. We finish what we start. And so it was like, yeah, I better finish what I started. And so he ended up getting his degree, and that that set him up for the next course. But it was like, no, we're Juliano's. We don't quit. We're Juliano's. We finish what we start. Are you putting that sort of mindset into your family? Because it's a persistence mindset. That is so important because we have a generation right now raising up. It says, if it gets too tough, I'm out. I'm looking for something else. It's like, no, 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 this is just a little bit too tough. What is that? A little bit too tough. What? That thing's tougher than you. You ought to be tougher than that. Come on. Are you made of sand or are you made out of steel? No, that's just get it out of your mindset. Get a persistence. Learn the art of endurance. Anne and I added that into our marriage when we first got married. We weren't going to get married just for a few months or a few years or 7 year rich and stuff. We were married for life. And so when we got married, I actually went to the dictionary and scrubbed out the word divorce. It does not exist in our vocabulary. If you go to my dictionary... Look it up. It doesn't exist. It's been scrubbed out. Because it's been scrubbed out, it never gets used. So in the early days when there was a a little bit of fire in the relationship and maybe even in the latter days a bit of fire in the relationship, you get a Welsh woman and an Italian you put them together, you got an explosion. It's uh, it's awesome. But you know what? Our attitude was, no, we're going to sort these things out. We're bigger than these things. And because the word divorce was never, ever used. It was, it was, it couldn't be used because it was removed from the vocabulary. It's like we, we tied our, our legs together and we were in this three-legged race. Who remembers the three-legged races when you were at school? You know, we're in a three-legged race and we tied ourselves together, locked it and threw away the key. And it was like we're in a three-legged race until death do us part. And if we fall over, we just get back up again. And we got to learn the system so we don't trip each other up. So we got to learn the rhythms of life and learn how we don't trip each other up, but we run together. And so you might start to walk, and then after a while you can get a gallop. And then once you get the rhythms happening, you can get a sprint happening because you feel what the other person feels. You've tied yourself together. See, that's the attitude of endurance. And that's what we need in our society of people that endure to the end. And that's what the scripture says. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. And number three, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love that. Looking to Jesus. He's the role model for us, folks. Come on, Jesus is the role model. Look to Jesus. He Keep your eyes on the prize, and the prize is Jesus. Don't, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look to people. Why is that? Because people will always disappoint you. People will always discourage you. People will always distress you. People will always dishonor, dislike, disparage. Lots of things that people will do. But Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher. He's the one that sets the course for us. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. Steve Bradbury kept his eyes on the prize. The prize for him was that gold medal. It was the line. That's what he kept his 12 years. It was like, i got to win. i got to win. He got smashed up. He got cut up. He got in parliament, He got neck broken. I mean, all the, but he kept his eyes on the prize. Can I say to you that stuff will happen to you where you can easily be taken out, but you keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll get back up and you'll enter the race because the things of this world will never satisfy. He's preparing us for eternity, folks. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And the Bible says that what Jesus did for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God, He set the example. See, He kept He kept His eyes on the prize, and I love this because our prize is Jesus. His prize is you. For the joy that was set before me, come up, lead. For the joy that was set before, him. He saw you, and He said, "I'm going to endure the cross. I'm going to endure the shame. I'm going to endure the suffering." Because it's the only way that you can be saved. I mean, that is just amazing that he saw you and he loved you.
0: Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.